Thank you, Dawn, for those lovely songs. Blast from the past, 1980s. Remember myself sitting with the shoulder pads in church, singing those hymns, songs, lovely songs. Right, so we're looking again at Psalm 23 uh, from a totally different perspective, but I'll just quickly read through it. We all know it really, don't we? But I'll read it through. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last week, Lizzie used the 23rd Psalm to focus on Jehovah Jireh, which means God our provider. But we're still going to be focusing on the 23rd Psalm, as I've said today, looking at the Lord is my shepherd. We're going to look at the verse for, at the passage verse by verse, and I'm hoping I will help you to look at it in a different way. It's very familiar. Um, so let's see how we can be challenged by it. And to be honest, it's actually helped me to inject a bit of personal testimony as I've, as I've considered these verses. The main passage of, um, the main message, I mean, of Psalm 23 is that in life or in death, in times of plenty or in want, God is good and worthy of our trust. The psalm uses the metaphor of a shepherd's care for his sheep to describe the wisdom, strength, and kindness of our God. Jesus is depicted as a good shepherd, caring for his sheep. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. Now, my brother-in-law is a shepherd on a very exposed hill farm, and my sister Elaine is, as she puts it, the, the wife of a farmer, but not a farmer's wife. She has lots of other things going on. And they will tell you that sheep are stupid creatures. They follow each other without caution, and they get themselves into some sticky situations. Fortunately, my brother-in-law, John, is, has a lot of wisdom, strength, and experience, and he knows how to care for them. But we humans, we often get ourselves into some sticky situations, just like silly sheep do, especially if we're not paying attention to our master's voice. So let's journey on through this psalm, and let's look at the verses one by one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or be in need. If only we could rest in that truth. How lovely. Sheep, they don't stress. They don't fuss. They don't try to get their own way. They just know by instinct that the shepherd cares for them, and so they just let him. They pay attention to his voice. We, by comparison, often fail to be content with our lot, knowing that the Lord, our shepherd, sees us and knows what's best for us. It's very reassuring for sheep to hear the shepherd's voice. In the same way, we need, too, to be listening to our God's voice. But perhaps sometimes we're not listening, are we? And we're not hearing him. I wonder why that is. I think we've all got our own reasons for that. But right now, let's ask ourselves, what is want? Let's be honest. How many of us live in want? God sometimes gives us what we want, and sometimes he graciously gives us what we both want and what we need. I know that God has a plan for my life, and I know that there are things that I want, but I'm still trusting him 
with our future. But in my humanity, I am not enjoying the wait, I have to admit. But you know, the more I wait and the more I think about the things that I am wanting, I realize that God is trying to strengthen my faith and he's also wanting to be glorified in some way. So the wait that I'm being put through, hopefully there will be an end to it and he will be able to be glorified and I'll be able to say, you know, God has done this for us. And that is a wonderful testimony to have. And I've had that testimony about coming to live here um, already. Verse 2 says, I will make you lie down in green pastures and lead you beside still waters. That's a lovely picture of rest and relaxation. If you close your, heart, your eyes, perhaps you can imagine the scene. What do the green pastures look like for you in your life? What equates to green pastures and still waters for you? If only we could lay down all our cares, enter into his presence and just stay there soaking it in. I find listening to worship music or playing and singing a compilation of worship songs helps me just to switch off and focus on him. And perhaps we should have a prolonged time of worship here in Oasis sometimes. But it's interesting that Dawn made that her focus in her songs um, because that's where our strength comes from is in the presence of, of the Lord. Maybe the circumstances we find ourselves in today, although perhaps not of our own choosing, are in fact the green pastures and still waters that God has provided for us. You know, I got quite emotional in preparing this talk. I thought to myself as I reflected on the fact that that's where I am. I think my life here in Leamington is, at the end of the day, the green pastures and the still waters that God's brought me to. And I'm actually so happy. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy with all of you because you're absolutely a wonderful community. And I feel so richly blessed. And yes, I don't have a house yet, but, you know, God has given me such a blessing being in this church and being able to do the things that I do to serve him. And I said one in one of my talks previously, what do waiters do? They serve. And that's what I'm doing. I'm serving. And I hope God is pleased with my attempts. Um, God really doesn't want us to be living in this state of flux. But wow, I've been living in a lot of that recently. Um, when I walk down to the church, I always go through that street, pleasant way, local street, and I always think to myself, yeah, this is a pleasant way. God has put my feet in pleasant places, and that road name always reminds me of that, that I'm in a pleasant place. And they do say Leviton Spa is the number one place to live, don't they? It's the happiest place, they say. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants to set us free and give us peace, that lovely state of heart and mind that we all long for, total restoration and lightness in our spirit. Have you ever felt weary physically, emotionally, and spiritually? It's hard work. You drag yourself through life, plodding through your schedule, your brain overthinking as you go. How often do we try to work things out for ourselves? We often how often do we run ahead of God making our mind maps, looking for the solutions to our perceived problems, when all the time the Lord, our shepherd, is calling out, will you just give it all to me? Stop getting yourself in a state. But how guilty are we of dropping our Lord at the foot of the cross but not leaving it there? We foolishly pick it up and carry it away with us all over again. I'm reminded of the old hymn we used to sing in church, 
or what peace we often forfeit, or what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. But you know, his spirit, his presence, is what comforts and reinvigorates us. So let's hold on to this promise that he will restore our souls if we let him. Let us look at the second part of the verse. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. According to Google, that big ether, wisdom of ether, no, the great wisdom out there in the ether, I mean, it means that when I'm being led in paths of righteousness, it's for the purpose of demonstrating the beauty of his character. How do we live in such a way as to demonstrate the character of Jesus? You know, the people of this world are watching us. They're judging us all the time. And sadly, they turn their back on God often because of us. Now, it's not up to us to convert anybody, but it is up to us to be a good witness for Jesus. And what does that look like? I think it's important, all things considered from my very conservative Christian background, that we should aim to come across as real, authentic, and relevant. The mantra, especially for my grandparents, in my youth was, Gillian, you need to be in the world, but not of it. Now, that's very true, but what does it mean? What I took from that was, I can't do this and I can't do that. A big long list of rules to live by. And to be quite frankly, frank, I was not the bubbly Jills you see before you today. I thought God had it in for me. Lots of people have grown up with these hang-ups and it's all done for most of us. All it's done for most of us is plunged us into depression and years of on and off counseling and antidepressants. So don't let other Christians weigh us down by loading their baggage of shoulds and oughts onto us. Disapproval is a destructive emotion, and if we're not careful, we can cause years of anguish in people's lives. Who we are and what we are matters to God, but you know, it's his approval that's the main thing. It's obviously not all about the outward appearance though, is it? No, it's about behavior and attitude. It's about displaying the fruits of the spirit as listed in Galatians 5, verse 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In the above verses, it also lists the opposite acts of the sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, wickedness, witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Yikes, that makes for sober reading. We might have made a mental tick list there, thinking, well, I'm not that bad. But you know, it's worth remembering that God doesn't categorize sin like we do. Sin is sin in his eyes. In Psalm 103, verse 10, it says, But if we repent of our sin, he graciously does not hold our sin against us or treat us as our sins deserve. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, says verse 4. Most of us are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, especially this fourth verse. For the Christian, there is great comfort in these words. But how often are these verses quoted to bring comfort to those who don't know the Lord to be their shepherd or guide in life? It's sad when the truths of the Bible are applied inappropriately 
although sometimes the words do fall on open ears and a seed is planted. Think too of the hymn Abide With Me, sang on the terraces at cup final matches, or even Dolly Parton's fans singing One Day At A Time Sweet Jesus. The majority, they don't have a faith, so just can't comprehend the true meaning of the words. And then, of course, there's that great hymn, Amazing Grace. And that's probably at the top of the list for being sung out of context. If only people understood the enormity and meaning of the words they sing. So words are important. And their true meaning can sometimes get lost or taken out of context. I've been to three Christian uh, funerals and two non-Christian funerals this year. What a glorious hope there is in the face of death for those who love the Lord Jesus. My uncle in January and my aunt in September both faced death with peace and confidence, and their funeral services were not just celebrations of the lives they had lived, but of the fact that they are now in heaven enjoying God's presence and the fact that we will see them again. It's so important to get right with God, isn't it? Whilst we have the opportunity, before it's too late, If you're not a Christian, you don't even understand what this is all about. Do talk to somebody, um, one of you, one of the group leaders, to help you understand this, because it's really important. The next bit of the verse says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod and staff were shepherding tools. A shepherd might use his staff to lean on to rest, but also to rescue stray sheep and lambs from danger such as narrow ledges or thickets and bushes. It was also to guide the sheep to keep them in a straight line. The rod was a tool of protection used against predators, but also as a symbol of authority to correct and guide the flock. The shepherd would also use it to count his sheep one by one as they passed beneath it. It was not a tool of punishment, as talked about in Proverbs 13, verse 24, when it says, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's another talk. So, whereas the rod conveys the concept of authority, power, discipline, and defense of the sheep, the staff represents all that is kind. So, these two items serve symbolically to encourage us that Jesus, our shepherd, cares for us. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. King David sees God as a gracious host. In the east, a host was obligated to safeguard his visitors from all enemies at all costs. David is saying here what Paul declares in Philippians Philippians 4 verse 19 that says, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here, David portrays himself as being at a hypothetical dinner party. He feels completely safe and protected from all his enemies. I thought about this. And I was wondering, who have we got sitting at our table? I don't mean literally. I mean, have we unwittingly ushered in an enemy into our headspace? Could it be that we're listening too attentively to voices that don't share our faith? As Christians, do you think we should take counsel from non-Christians? I don't mean about random things like what's the best fridge freezer to buy or the best car model. I mean about the big things in life that really we need to go to God about with prayer and petition and get his wisdom on the matter. After all, we are living in the kingdom of God and unfortunately non-Christians are not. They don't have the same 
outlook as we do. Shouldn't we just let them see how we do life with God at our side? While still being real and true to ourselves, we should aim to let them see our faith and how it operates in tough times. The next bit of the verse says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. An ancient custom of hospitality and respect shown to esteemed dinner guests was the host anointing the head with oil. The oil was mixed with fragrant perfume to refresh weary travelers. So here David is seen, sees himself, um, David is seeing himself warmly being welcomed as a dinner guest to this banqueting table. His head is being refreshed with oil and he's being delighted and his cup is overflowing. His whole being is refreshed in God's presence. He's, he's rejuvenated. Have you ever experienced the lifting of heaviness from your spirit? Sometimes we carry things that we were never meant to carry. We catastrophize and these things rob us of our joy in the Lord. Jesus said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Being weighed down because we are focused on the wrong things erodes our faith and our joy. I know, I've been there quite often, quite frequently, <laughs> quite recently even. Um, and I make the mistake when I forget what I know to be true. Thankfully, God is patient with us. He's the God of more than second chances. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the rewards of being a Christian is the love that God shows us. He loves all his creation, but as Christians, his goodness and mercy are available to us even when we miss the mark. We have access through Jesus Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. We can ask for forgiveness, and it's like we have a clean slate. You don't get that from, hello, from fellow human beings, do you? Man keeps a record of wrongs, but God doesn't. As long as we repent of our sin, God sees our worth. He died to forgive us our sins because he thinks we're worth it. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 reads, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to not harm you, and to, do, and to give you a future. It doesn't mean to make you all, all your dreams come true and make you rich, as is, the, as is promoted through the prosperity gospel movement. The goodness of mercy of God especially follows you when you're hurting, which is partly why the psalm is quoted at funerals anyway. In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are contrite in spirit. So we're now looking at the forgiveness of God, Contrite means to show remorse or to be filled with guilt. You can feel God draw near to you best when you're in tears. That's a comforting feeling. Even when no one wants to listen, God will always draw near to us. You might well think, well, goodness and mercy have not always been my experience. But you know, the Bible says in John 16, verse 33, that in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. God's peace will allow us to remain stable in this unstable world in which we live. So I hope that I've managed to get across the main message that Jesus is our good shepherd and that includes him laying down his life for us. The good news is that he was resurrected 
and therefore we can have a personal relationship with him. Before we go into our groups, we're going to listen to a song written by John Wimber called Spirit Song. You will see the connection with the talk. So that really is the message I want to leave with you from my talk, that the Holy Spirit wants to fill us, his lambs, that's what we are, and he is our caring shepherd. Um, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks that this chapter, this psalm, can be used to teach us so many different things. Now, I've put some questions on the table for us to discuss, and I've also put the, um, the words of that song out on the table in case any of you would like to take it home and stick it on your fridge, because I think the words are just lovely. Um, so let's go into our groups now, and uh, you might not want to dis discuss each question, but you might want to just take one of the questions and, and go with that one. But thanks for listening, and I hope that's been helpful. It's certainly been helpful to me, made me realize that I'm actually living in green pastures and walking beside still waters anyway. Amen. <laughs>